was chatting to a friend some months ago when somehow the topic got to how he had never really taken any major risks in his life. Well, I can't say the same about myself, I said rather proudly. I took a major risk when I left my hometown to try to look for a job in Manila when I had only 2,000 pesos in my pocket. Then I did the same thing again when I moved to Singapore, but I had more money this time. How much? 2,000 SGD? He asked. Um, yeah, actually, I replied sheepishly. He laughed in disbelief. Well, that was a huge risk indeed, D. Was it worth it? Hello everyone, welcome again to Banana Q Podcast. I'm again joined by the beautiful Heidi. Heidi. <laughs> Hi. That sounded funny. <laughs> Heidi. Heidi. <laughs> and tonight's topic is OFW, Overseas Filipino Workers. Now, OFW, according to Wikipedia, is a term often used to refer to Filipino migrant workers, people with Filipino citizenship who reside in another country for a limited period of employment. At the first part, maybe let's take a look at interesting statistics about OFW, and then from there, we talk about our own experiences. How does that sound? Yeah, sure. Cool. There are 101 Dalmatians now, 101 (laughs) million Filipinos in 2015. And then Mm -hmm. out of that, 101 million, 8 million are living overseas. So that's about 8%. That's a lot of people, right? Yeah. And to put that into context, the population of Singapore is 5 million. So that's like a Singapore and a half (laughs) of Filipinos are living abroad. So yeah. And out of that number, 8 million, in 2015, 2.4 million Filipinos are OFWs. Wow. Yeah. So more than one-fourth of Filipinos living abroad are actually overseas Filipino workers. Now, we actually have the number for 2019. And 2019, OFW population, so to speak, is 2.2 million. So it actually decreased by 200,000. I wouldn't have expected that. But maybe there there's more jobs being created in the Philippines nowadays, which is a good thing, right? I mean, after all, Philippines is considered one of the locations for BPOs, right? Ah, yes. I think that's one good factor that you've mentioned. And at the same time, if you look at Singapore during 2015, What I've experienced personally is during those times, Singapore or any other countries have restricted the entry of foreign workers. Less Filipinos are able to stay abroad, Mm. right, if they want to. Even in our old office before, even though somebody was already holding a work pass at the Mm -hmm. beginning, but then when it was time for renewal, sometimes that person would not be renewed, right? Yes. So they were making it a bit more difficult for foreign workers to stay in Singapore. So I guess that could have contributed to the decline. That's one of the reasons why being an OFW, you know, brings anxiety as well, because there's no permanence (laughs) (laughs) at any point in time. The immigration policy of that country potentially will change. And if they restrict entry of foreigners, then that significantly changes the flow of foreign workers. Yeah, but, you know, of course, you couldn't really blame them after all, right? They have to protect their citizens. So there's that. (laughs) I wanted to talk about as well the remittances. Now in 2015, uh, the amount of money sent by overseas Filipino workers to the Philippines amounted to 212 billion Philippine peso. Wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. To give you a context of how much that money is, in 2015, same year, the Mm -hmm. amount of money that foreign investors sent to the Philippines amounted to 220 billion, very close to that amount. So that means if you add up all the remittances, it's almost the same amount as the foreign direct investments done to the Philippines. To me, that's amazing. Yeah. And if we divide that number, 212 billion Philippine peso for 2015 by the number of OFWs, it's about 96,000 pesos per OFW in one year. And in one year, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot of money. And if you compare that with, say, minimum wage in Manila of 65,000 mm-hmm. per year, it's about 1.5 times. 
what I wanted to do next is for us to story tell our own experiences as OFW. Fair warning, we're not giving advice. Yeah, <laughs> we're not saying, you know, that you should totally follow what we did. We're just sharing. Yes, and if you indeed need advice or, or know-how or the official way to do things, Go to your nearest POEA or Philippine Overseas Employment Agency office. Or if you're mm-hmm. already living abroad, go to your nearest embassy. Then, you know, they will be more than willing and happy to answer your questions officially. Yeah, because we are just two people out of the 2.2 million. So we just wanted to share our personal experiences. Okay, so I graduated from college in 2003 in Sambuanga City. And then I actually studied for the CPA board exam in Manila. Mm. So when I was in Manila, then I saw Makati. Mm. My cousin brought me there. And then I fell in love with the beautiful buildings in Makati. Mm. So I told myself, okay, I want to work in Makati someday because of the buildings. Because we mm. didn't have those in Sambuanga. So anyway... I didn't ha- immediately have that opportunity, but um, sometime in 2004, I actually had a job in a bank as a teller, mm. and I was really miserable in that job. Oh, how so? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just didn't like it. One day, my friend who was at the time working for KPMG Makati suddenly texted and said, hey, we have job openings in audit. Nice. So okay. do you want to apply? Mm. And I don't know, because I was miserable. I just, you know what? I'm going to do this. I didn't really have any money at that time. <laughs> I mean, my parents were not well off. I, I waited until I got my salary mm. and then I tendered my resignation, which is very quick, by the way. I think this was just within a week. And then I told my other classmate about that, like, why don't we go to Manila? Because she was also miserable in her job. Mm. And we both felt this now or never thing mm. that we thought that we should do this now while there was an opportunity. So so she resigned as well. And then we booked one-way tickets to Manila. And then we told another friend that we were going. We weren't inviting her. We just said, oh, we're going. She said, yeah, I'll join you. Okay, suddenly there were three of us. Wow. <laughs> so you masterminded the, the exodus of three yes. beautiful Filipina out of Sambuanga. So we boarded the plane. And then I think I at the time I had like just 2,000 pesos left because wow. I bought the plane ticket. And, and you know, I, I didn't want to ask money from my parents. So anyway, we left. And then when we got to Manila, we stayed in this boarding house where, you know, we you could just, uh, what is it called? Where you just pay for the bed bed spacer <laughs> yes we bed space so we went to this carinderia mm. and then one meal would cost like 40 pesos maybe and we said oh my god that is too expensive and we're comparing to Sambuanga wherein you could buy like a meal for 10 pesos oh wow yeah so you're going there and suddenly it's worth 40 pesos or whatever. That's a lot. So we would say, I'll just have half ulam and half <laughs> wow. rice. And, and then my friend who is based in Manila, right? So he, he would say, do you want to go home to Sambuanga that you're only half? <laughs> we couldn't afford to eat mm. a full meal. And also we would always buy these instant noodles, which is like six pesos a pack oh, maybe. Yes, yeah. So that's like a lot cheaper. Wow. We had just enough money. So we all applied. And within a week, luckily, we were hired. Otherwise, wow. I don't know what would have. So lo- <laughs> I think we were getting paid every two weeks. So that's why it was fine. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> but I remember like, you know, we were walking mm. home. And then we would pass by KFC. And then we would look longingly at KFC. And then we would say, let's eat there when, <laughs> when it's payday. <laughs> The classmate who texted me about the job opportunity, we ended up working in the same department. Mm. Um, our department mates would invite us to have lunch at the ninth mm. floor of our building, which, you know, had the meals, which are probably like 50 pesos or something. I cannot remember. And then they would invite us and we would pretend that we were having lunch with our other friend. <laughs> but actually, we, we were waiting for 12.30 so we could go across the street to this other <laughs> building, which was cheaper. <laughs> Smart choice. <laughs> Eventually, obviously, we, we got used to life in mm. Manila and we started eating more and, you know, a full meal and we would eat with our department mates. But by more, you mean normally. Normal, yeah. <laughs> 
2004, <laughs> what, what happened next? Did you stay in K- KPMG as an auditor? How did you like it compared to being a teller? Yeah, I think it was uh, better. Mm. I, you know, and it was a global company. So obviously, I picked up a lot more skills and it was good to be able to meet new friends, the Manileños. Mm. And there was like a lot of culture shock there as well because Sambuanga is more conservative mm. than uh, Manila. But you get mm. used to it. And then the next year, somebody told me that there was an opening in PNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was my teammate, probably it was my team because I remember the two of us actually went and took the same exam. Okay. So we took the exam and the results were very mm. quick. Like right after the exam, I think the next day I immediately got a call saying that I was up for an interview. Oh. And anyway, I went to the interviews and then within a week, I got the job offer. What? I don't know. It's very fast back then. No, I think it was just you. You were just, <laughs> you were just so good. And I remember when I got the call about it. I was in in a room with my mm. boss, and it, and then I had to excuse myself to take the call outside, obviously. But he knew, and he said, "What was that? <laughs> Are you getting a call about a a job mm. interview?" I said, "No, I got a job offer." <laughs> 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 and then he's like what <laughs> like he, did you really he, say that he was so your fast boss? yeah but he was not a very strict boss I guess and then when he said for what company and when I told him PNG he said then go what are oh, you still wow. waiting for very cool See, so, boss <laughs> yeah he was a very cool boss yeah. Yeah, so after three years, I guess as with a lot of the Filipinos, we have a, an itch to leave the country. I don't know, for me, personally, mm. I did. Ever since I was a little girl, I've always already wanted to leave the Philippines. Mm. And why is that? So moving to Manila was the buildings in Makati that made you move. <laughs> yeah. What was about living abroad that kind of made you want to leave the Philippines? I just thought that the world is such a big place for you to be stuck in one small city, right? For the rest of your life. So that's why I first moved to Manila. And then I thought maybe it's time to move somewhere else just to experience what life is like out there. I see. Okay. Then how did it happen? How did you come about finally deciding, similar to how you masterminded two of your other friends to leave Zamboanga? This time it was somebody else who masterminded it. uh, Her Mm. name is Jell. So we were close friends. So we met in PNG. And then her boyfriend and her Mm. best friend were the ones who decided that they should try going to Singapore to try to look for jobs to better I themselves, gotcha. I would say. And then since her boyfriend and her best friend were both going to Singapore, she thought like she should mm. go with them. So she told us her plan and then I said, you know what? I'm going to join you. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so we tendered at the same time. <laughs> wow. And, and none of you had a prospect of a job. None of you. No, no. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> What? Yes. <laughs> you quit your jobs, packed your bags, went to Singapore. That's yes. it. Like without any fallback. Yeah, because back then we were young. When you're young, you feel like you don't have a lot to lose yet. Have you noticed that the older you get, the more risk-averse you are, the more afraid you are of things? Ah, yes. When you're young, you feel indestructible. I just thought like, you know, I'm going to go there and obviously it's going to work out. So I guess in a way it did. But I also told another friend, Kate, this was what I was going to do. And Mm. then she said, you know what? I'm going to join you. So... (laughs) (laughs) So So five of you... (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was ended up going to Singapore. Yes. Okay. And this was in 2008. Eight. 2008. Okay. This was Wait. <laughs> so it happened before the recession or after? Before. Because the recession, I think, was announced sometime late in okay. the year. We went in August 2008. I see. I see. So we went to Singapore. At uh, that time, even if you just have a month to stay in Singapore, you could still somehow manage to find a job, even if, mm. uh, you know, you're a foreigner. I, I want to know how you, how you managed to pass the immigration counter if you don't have a visa to work abroad you essentially have to prove that you're able to fund your stay how did that go oh yeah i did have money i had Mm. like around two thousand singapore dollars (laughs) (laughs) not pesos still two thousand okay (laughs) probably around there so we we did a bit of research we had friends in singapore that's why we thought that we could just you know go but our Ah, friends in singapore actually had a different path. So they paid an agency in the Philippines and then they were sent to Singapore. But it was the same year. So they went around May and then we oh, decided, hey, we have friends there. So maybe it's okay. We're going to be okay. 
we, we weren't thinking that they would help thing. We were thinking at least somebody could guide us, you know, yeah. like that. But then our friends were actually very generous. Mm. One of our friends, Rodel, actually offered for Kate and me. So he said that we could stay with him for two weeks. Nice. Such a generous man. Yeah, yeah, yeah very generous. Actually, we looked very suspicious because it was 2008. If we did that now, we would never have been able to leave the Philippines, honestly. Yes. I was carrying a food keeper full of noodles <laughs> and, and canned goods. Like, what is that? Sorry, sorry, store. <laughs> what? <laughs> so you were carrying it on? Like, you didn't check your luggage with food keeper? Yeah, that was my carry-on. I don't know why I was carrying it. Uh, nobody told me not to do that. Again, back to the instant noodles. Remember when I first moved to Makati? <laughs> I ate a lot of instant noodles. And again, this was happening. Moving to In Singapore. Singapore. And then, obviously, yeah, we were questioned by the immigration office, like, why are you bringing a <laughs> food keeper full of food? This is so weird. And then, because I'm friendly, right? You know me. Mm. I'm very yeah. chatty. You're friendly. very chatty, so yeah. I befriended them. I was like, oh, they said it's so expensive there. It's like 30 pesos for one packet. Like, oh my God. And then they said, and they agreed, oh my God, that's so expensive. You're right. You should bring that. So... <laughs> Awesome. Also, our tickets were suspicious because the the ticket that I booked is supposed to be two-way, right? Mm -hmm. The ticket going back was for after a month. Like, isn't that suspicious? <laughs> like, why would you stay in Singapore for a month? It's very obvious. Uh, how did you pass through? Like, they, they must have questioned that, right? Like yeah, but... But somehow they they let me. I don't know why they that back then they were quite lax. Maybe. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not gonna fly nowadays <laughs> because they've become more strict. got there I did something stupid again so we got this really strict immigration person okay and she asked us how much money we had I guess I was so nervous that I mm. for some reason thought she was asking me how much cash I had literally on me so I said $50 <laughs> and she's like how can you survive in Singapore for $50 and then suddenly I got like you know scolded and then I realized no no I answered wrongly I said no we have a debit card I meant uh. like you know an ATM but I think she didn't get I think she thought I had a credit card and then she was mm. like you cannot just buy things on credit yeah. and I said but we're staying with our friends and you cannot rely on your friend <laughs> <laughs> an immigration <laughs> officer teaching you life lessons guys you can't live off credit card you can't rely on your friends <laughs> I don't know how in the end she gave us 30 days. Yeah, that's your like, charm, D. It works wonders. Also, before that, I, we already got off the wrong foot because you need to provide your address. Mm -hmm. My friend was staying at Pasiris mm -hmm. and he sent it to me via email because back then, email was our mode of communication. There was still no WhatsApp. Right, right. And his outlook corrected Pasiris to Paris. Oh, so no. I so it said Paris Street. I said there's no Paris Street in Singapore. <laughs> in the end, she Whoa. still let us go through. So so we managed to go <laughs> into Singapore. <laughs> Is it because of your charm, or maybe she that, that person just had it like fifty Singapore dollars going to Paris Street? I, you know what? Go go through. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, yeah. I almost did not even get into Singapore, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I guess luck was just on my side or mm. everything happens for a reason. I was meant to be in Singapore. Agris is saying about that, right? Like fortune favors the bold. You took high risks and that's why yeah. you were very lucky. You got yeah, yeah, you were rewarded. <laughs> and so we started looking for jobs. Mm. Kate and I were... Um, looking for jobs together. Mm. I don't know if somebody told us to do it. We saw one building and we were holding our resumes and we were thinking, why don't we just go into a building and try giving our resumes? Really? You did that? <laughs> I don't know why. What? Like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually actually went into one of these, I don't know, I think we tailgated and once you were inside, oh, what? somebody saw us and like, who are you and how did you get inside? Did you? Wow. 
God, did it work? Right? <laughs> did it work? Oh, well, I'm really curious now. Did it no, work? It, it didn't work. I would not okay. ask anyone to do that. <laughs> That's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> Don't tailgate for one. I, I think you could be in serious trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, we weren't thrown into jail or something. Yeah, especially in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, they just escorted us out. And then we never did that again, obviously. <laughs> Back then, one month was kind of enough. So, so I, I, I think we all managed to find jobs within a month. Oh wow, that's amazing! I so you were so. there late 2008. So that was August. You mentioned I got a job offer. I remember this was before my birthday. What? Yeah, that's <laughs> just shy of two weeks. That's crazy. How did you How did you find that job? Was it online? Did you get referred by somebody? It was online. So I can't remember which it was. It jobs three jobs DB or one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when we first went there, so we were eating instant noodles, <laughs> and and also sometimes we would eat what they call this. We would go to a hawker center, the food courts, yes, yes. and they would be cheap. It's probably yep. three dollars or something for a meal, but we wouldn't even have a meal each. We would share one meal, yeah, because you know we were saving money because we didn't. We, that we sounds didn't very familiar. <laughs> oh no, half again. <laughs> I just like to repeat this, right? <laughs> My so model operandi. <laughs> yeah, your MO is essentially go to a place with 2,000, whatever currency that is. Yeah. And then live off half a meal, instant noodles and canned goods. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but then again, you're lucky. You got a job in two weeks, similar to what you've experienced in Makati. And then when I got the job offer, I decided to celebrate with instant spaghetti. <laughs> instant spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> was it from Maggie? I, re- I remember Maggie yes, did one. Yes, yes, Maggie. I brought, oh. I think, maybe just one or two of those for That's a special so cool. location. <laughs> you actually planned your celebration. You brought one instant spaghetti. <laughs> if you want to rent a house, you just need one person's employment pass. Yes. Once I got my job, we decided to start house hunting already. If you think about it, that was actually very risky. What if the rest didn't get jobs? Then I have to pay for the apartment all by myself. Optimistic people. Very optimistic. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So we went house hunting. So Mm. we found this flat in mm. Haogang, which is quite far, but the renter is, uh, you know, cheaper than the usual, I think. And where was your office? My office was in CBD, so it's oh, wow. okay. like eight stops away. Gotcha. And then, you know, they announced the recession. Yes. So a lot of people lost their jobs in Singapore. I also lost my job. Wow. So a reversal. Mm. <laughs> so this happened, uh, I don't know, probably, I think June 2009. Wow. Actually, at the time, my job was like granting access and removing access from people. And my team noticed that there's a lot of people that we are removing access from. So, and then they mm. were joking, like, you know, if the boss wants to talk to you, don't talk to her because you're probably going <laughs> to lose your job. <laughs> No, but at the time, I knew mm. I was going to lose my job. It's like last in, first out. So uh, I was yes. the last one to join the team. So yep. if somebody was going to lose the job, it's me. Yeah. And then uh, I knew that it was going to happen. So I was like just preparing myself. Mm-hmm. One time my boss said she wanted to talk to me. I said, oh my God, this is it. And mm. then I went to the room with my boss. And mm-hmm. on, on conference, her boss was in Australia. So he was the one who actually broke the news. Mm. When he broke the news, my boss looked like she wanted to cry. And then I ended up comforting her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I said it's okay. I'm going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I understand. Yeah, but so- sounds like a genuine boss. Like for yeah. that person to actually be in tears, letting yeah. you go. That's yeah, yeah. I don't think she really wanted to let me go. Um, after that, uh, we left the the room, and I wasn't allowed to log back into my computer. Mm. And she, uh, you know, had to watch me while I took my stuff. Like I couldn't mm. bring my work notebook. Yeah. You know, it's not like in the movies where you, they give you a box where you put your things. <laughs> Just had to put my things in plastic bags. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, it was like not really very... It's I not see. like in the movies. You know, I have to give back my access pass and all that. Mm. And she escorted me all the way to the exit. Yeah. And then I went to the library so that I could read. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. No, no, because back then I loved to read books. So that was mm-hmm. my, like my com- comfort. You lost your job and then your immediate reflex is reading books. That's amazing. 
I couldn't immediately find a job after that. So there was a moment where, because you could only stay in Singapore for a month, right? So, yes. mm. so I didn't go back to the Philippines because they said if you go back to the Philippines and then go back to Singapore, it would be obvious that yes. you're trying to find a job, obviously, because they will see from your records that you had a job. My friend in Thailand said I could stay with him because it's not very suspicious if you come from Bangkok. Yeah, so there's all these I strategies think. or something. <laughs> so I flew to Bangkok. They stayed with my friend. It was very nice, by the way. Mm. During these times, so when you have problems and all that, it's really good to have friends who are very helpful. Oh, yeah. And then after that, I still tried to look for jobs online. And then I think I got a interview opportunity. So I flew back to Singapore. And what month so. was this? So you, you were out of a job from June. You went to Bangkok one month after. No, actually after I lost my first job. Mm. I actually had like a temporary job for just like three months. And then I, I when, when that temporary job was over, that's when I had to fly to Bangkok. After I flew to Bangkok and back to Singapore, that's when I, I didn't find a job. I see. Yeah. So, but by that time, you were actually shifting to another a, a temporary job after you lost your job. Yeah. Sometime around July, I was applying for a job in Manila. So I just graduated, uh, took the CPA board exam. So I had an opportunity to have an interview with you know a company that was based in Makati. So they actually went to Cebu. They were oh. looking for candidates. So I didn't have to leave Cebu and Take risks uh, or whatever. Take a risk, whatever, yeah. So <laughs> they went to Cebu, interviewed a bunch of people, and I was lucky enough to have that offer. And so sometime July, I left for Makati, where I worked for a bank as well. But this was a multinational bank, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a multinational bank. And the recession kind of helped in a way because companies needed to find a cheaper way to actually keep the business going. A lot of jobs abroad were actually brought to the Philippines. You lost your job because of the recession. I found my job because of the recession. <laughs> oh my of God. Like yeah, yeah. So 2009 was a very eventful year then, yeah. right? Because yeah. of the recession first world country people probably lost jobs and third world country people picked them up mm, very different did you move world. because of the buildings as well or no that's just me <laughs> not really uh, <laughs> I, I just thought that living in a in a place different from Cebu is a better opportunity and, and frankly I was comparing the, the level of salary you know oh, had right. I stayed yeah. in Cebu versus what was offered to me in Makati you know it was night and day I was very idealistic I was just you mm -hmm. know fresh out of university and that's why I chose to move to Makati. Your story is more interesting. So 2010, what happened after? 2010, I had a job after four months of not having one. So that was January. Kate's boss mm. had a friend who like had a job opportunity. Interesting. So this was a local company. Mm -hmm. Everybody was local except mm -hmm. me. So they spoke Mandarin all oh. the time and I wouldn't understand what's going on. Yeah. But they would speak English if they remember. I was still okay. They were most of them are nice and the boss really liked me to the point that in local companies when it's Chinese New Year they would give uh, like an entire month's bonus they would literally put it inside a red packet and then ah, give yes. you the, the cash mm. so he told me because I was just new and I think Chinese New Year at that time was February so I was just like a month in Mm -hmm. uh, so I am not yet going to get the bonus. I said, yeah, that's, that's okay. I understand. But then later he gave me a bonus, like an entire month's salary. Wow. Yeah, he said that he didn't want me to feel bad because like, you know, I'm handing everyone else their bonus and I wasn't getting any. So that was very nice of him, right? Very nice boss. Yeah. You're lucky again. <laughs> So anyway, the boss was really nice. So it wasn't really him that I had a problem with. There was this other employee who was kind of a bully. So I didn't oh. feel comfortable staying on. I see. There was a moment I told myself like, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. So my okay. friend was actually telling me that there was a job opening at her company, like maybe a week or two weeks before that incident. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I told her like, no, it's okay. I think I'll stay here. But then this happened. So I decided to send her my CV. Mm. And then I, I got the interview. So this was in August. I, I think it was August. August again. <laughs> again, yes. So I started in August. Actually, I wasn't supposed to start in August because I think I got the interview in May. But I had to go home in June for a wedding. So I told the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> I said, um, am I allowed to like immediately take a VL? Because if not, you know, at least I was mm. up front and then they decided to push my start date to August, which ended up being good because that's how I met our common friends 
And that's how we ended up meeting you, right? Yeah. Well, why don't we end up with you? When did you join our common company again? October 2010. All right. Okay. So why don't you take that up? About one year from my previous job. And then so I was weighing pros and cons moving to another country. Obviously, there's a lot of economic benefits. Yeah. At the same time, there's a lot to learn culture-wise. It's just a different experience, I would say, yeah. um, being in a different country. I was looking for jobs abroad, uh, same as you. I was looking online. So a friend of mine named Sanrio, who I attended the same university with, told me that, hey, I'm, I'm already in Singapore. I'm working for this awesome company. Are you interested? And then I said, yes, here's my CV. When, you know, please help me send it across to HR. And then a week after I got a call, then they liked what I said and I liked what they said. And so, so after that, I kind of resigned from my job. It, it was around September. It's mandatory for us to actually give 30 days worth of notice. But then I was scheduled to go back to Cebu for one week. <laughs> So if I don't resign now, if I resign after I come back, then I'll be short of yeah. one week in, in serving my notice. So that happened on a Friday. So I received the offer on a Friday and I accepted then it. You and I'm scheduled to leave for Cebu. And so and my boss already left for the so day. So what did you do? So what I did, I had no choice. I had I sent my resignation letter. Mm -hmm. I printed it out and then I left a copy <laughs> of my resignation letter at the bottom of her keyboard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's dated on Friday. Yeah, okay. on hindsight, it was very, I don't know, very unprofessional <laughs> for of me. I was very selfish to do that. Yeah, when we were young. But, but hey, I was yeah. young. Yeah. I was in Cebu enjoying my vacation. Then obviously when I came back to my job in Makati, my boss kind of called me yeah it was she was really sad and asked me hey why are you resigning and then i said oh i got a job offer to relocate to singapore she, she was supportive but in a sense she also gave me a counter offer so she was saying if you wanted to really work in singapore we actually have an office in singapore we are an international firm there's actually an opportunity for you to move to singapore but so what did you it say? was a very good offer but i already said yes oh. to um you know I, I had to respectfully decline but yeah she was an awesome boss she actually thought of a way to keep me in the company uh, and then same as you i did my research like how do i move to singapore <laughs> without actually having an, a job because by, by then I, I didn't have an employment pass yeah. or kind of a working visa the day when I left for Singapore, the immigration officer asked me, how long are you staying in Singapore? And I said, oh, I'm staying there for one week. So I had a return ticket for uh, after a week. Uh, wh where are you working? And then I realized, oh my God, I already surrendered my ID. But then automatically what came to my mind, I had a PRC, like Professional Regulations Commission yep. ID uh, as a CPA. And then I said, no, I, I don't actually work for a firm. I'm a self-employed accountant. So that's what I said. <laughs> oh my God. And I showed my, <laughs> my PRC ID. And then that was it. Then he stamped my passport. It, it was the very first stamp in my passport. I, I never left the country cool. before that. So I didn't have any experience. <laughs> I, I just, you know, researched via internet. And of course, uh, from my friend Sanrio, she also gave me tips how to actually do it. Mm -hmm. But then again, we, we don't advise people to actually do that. <laughs> go to the usual channels, go to POEA office and register as an OFW. I think that's the safest and official way. Yes. So I landed in Singapore October, yep. just before my birthday, one week before my birthday. But I'm not like you. I didn't plan. I didn't bring an instant <laughs> spaghetti. How could you? You love spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> so now our timeline has collided. October yeah. 2010, we're working in the same company. You know, For the listeners, we, we eventually became friends because we invited him to have lunch with us. Uh, it's easier to make friends with fellow Filipinos uh, yes, just because right. of you know language or whatever. Ever, right? There were eight Filipinos in our batch. So we just all had lunch together. One, one day I was having lunch by my desk and then, yeah, I got invited by Mommy <laughs> Jo. Yes. And that's how we met. In Singapore, you couldn't really... Um, afford your own flat by yourself because it's mm. expensive. So yes. you would prefer to just rent a flat with your friends. 
some people actually in Singapore just go on this website called Pinoy SG. Yeah. And usually you would find someone who is renting out a room in their flat. You tried that, Ray, right? At the beginning, yeah, you were with, with non-friends. How was that like? It was difficult. If it's a bed space, some of them will just stay for three months. Some of them even shorter. So that mm-hmm. means you have a constantly changing environment. Yes. Uh, at some point, it becomes not healthy. <laughs> like, you know, you have to make small talk every time you bump into your flatmate who you're not very close with. Yeah. You don't feel completely at home. Uh, I've tried doing that, like living in a house where I was sharing the room with a friend, so that's fine. When we're in the bedroom, it's okay. But the moment you have to use the common areas like the living room or the kitchen, mm. then it's like you hope that you don't run into somebody else. So it's strange to become a stranger in your own house. You're just not that comfortable. Mm. Like usually... Uh, um, if, if you like everyone, if you're like when we were living together, mm. it was fine if you leave the bedroom and you see whoever is in the living room and they're watching Netflix or something, then you'll join them. Yeah, you raise a very good point. Like you're, you're working very hard, you're constantly overtime during yeah, a lot of OD, quarter, month yes. ends, quarter ends. And when you reach home, all you want to do is relax, all you want to do is just you know chill. But then, mm-hmm. if it's hard to do that because you're living with people you're not comfortable with then it's gonna slowly and slowly drive you insane important for us to emphasize that salary wise you're receiving singapore dollars Mm -hmm. but then your cost of living as well is in singapore dollars so yeah so it's it's yeah a lot of people in the philippines who has not experienced living abroad they automatically think that ofws earn a lot of money and so they're able to send a lot of money i think it's a common misconception cost of living also is significantly is high. higher yeah. than the Philippines. I mean, and for the past few years, Singapore mm. has been on the top of the list as the most expensive yeah. country or city to live in. The most expensive items that you would spend on a monthly basis is actually the rent. That's the number one. But yeah. there are a lot of ways to actually save money. If they, if they choose to live frugally, they can save money. But if they just look for the expensive ones, buy the next generation iPhone, it's hard to actually save. The first time you move to Singapore, you always experience that price shock, right? Mm. That's why That's why when I first moved, uh, that's why Kate and I were splitting a meal because we thought it was too expensive. But now you think like $3, how is that expensive? Like what do you mean? <laughs> because you, you constantly convert into pesos. Peso. Yes, and also right. not just convert to pesos, but you compare it to a meal in the Philippines, which obviously mm. is not the same. If you compare yes. like a hawker meal in Singapore to a carinderia food in the Philippines, there's a huge <laughs> difference, which mm. is not fair, right? Because you are earning Singapore dollars. So <laughs> Yeah, and it's common. Maybe first, Two, three months living yes. in a foreign country, you always convert to peso and you keep on comparing. Yes. But I think after that, you're, you're okay. You're Yeah, and you're used to like, this is how much it's supposed to be. The funny thing is I moved to Hong Kong from mm. Singapore. Now I'm still converting, but I'm converting to Singapore dollars. <laughs> I will have to take out my phone, go to the calculator and divide by five because I don't know how to divide in my head. Uh, there's a, there's an easy way. There's a trick actually to divide by five. Which is? So add a zero, which is multiplying by 10 and then divide by two. That's yeah, that should be way easier. True, mm. true, true, true. Okay, I will try that. Thank you for that tip. So yeah, so let's let's compare prices. We we started with the biggest one, which obviously is the rental space. On average, three bedroom flat would cost you eighty four thousand pesos, which is a lot of money. Yes. And then the next expensive item is actually owning a car, which you don't need in Singapore because yep. public transportation system is so efficient and it's so comfortable and it's rather cheap. And there was not a lot of traffic in Singapore, even though the taxi drivers like to complain that there was a jam. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Go to Edsa <laughs> and tell me. <laughs> it's very rare for, for them to have traffic and it's because they make it difficult to buy cars because mm. it was very expensive. If you want to buy a car in in Singapore, you first have to bid on the COE. What is COE? <laughs> uh, C- COE is a certificate of entitlement. Right. And if you bid on that, it can reach very high. So, Which is about the same cost as the car. Yeah. So mm. even before you can buy a car, you have to pay for that. So it's very expensive. And I think the car itself is also more expensive. Yeah. Next to cars is, in the Philippines, we have what we call sin taxes. And sin taxes are imposed upon cigarettes, alcohol, 
And it's the same in Singapore. Those items are very expensive. So ridiculously expensive. And I recall one experience when my friend invited me for a beer. I just came from the Philippines. I didn't have my salary yet. So I was trying to save some money. But but then I, I needed some beer because of some experience that I've had. Okay, let's go to a bar. Let's drink some beer. And then when we were choosing what kind of drink we're drinking and I saw the menu. Oh my God, one bottle of beer in Singapore is 18 Singapore dollars. That's crazy. That's about 600 Philippine peso. So after my bottle of beer, they were asking, hey, you want one more? Are you serious? No, I'm drunk already. I don't need another <laughs> bottle of beer. But, but honestly, I could go for one more bucket. But it's just that it's so expensive. 600 pesos for one bottle of beer. Isn't that crazy? No, it is crazy, yes. And then cigarette. One cigarette stick is one Singapore dollar. So is it? 30 pesos. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that is expensive. But I don't smoke, so... Uh, yeah, so that's fine, it. good for yeah. you. I also don't, so that's good for us. If you're a guy with a lot of vices and you live in Singapore, uh, you better have deep pockets, man, because you really <laughs> yes. spend, you really pay. Yes, that is true. So other than those items, I think everything else is okay. And in yeah. fact... Some of them are cheaper. Yeah, like food, not compared to the Philippines, obviously. Mm. It's if you compare it to Japan, Hong Kong, actually everyone, mm. not from the Philippines, but everyone who's come from Canada or wherever, mm. whenever mm. they go to Singapore, they always comment that the food in Singapore is cheap. And there's a lot of variety. Like you could go to a hawker center, the food court, and there will be mm. a lot of different kinds of cuisine, which, you, do, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the same thing if you go to other countries. That's like, right. you know, you could go there and then you would have Thai, Indian, Filipino, Indonesian. What's your favorite food D, in a hawker center? For Chinese food, I like cereal prawns. <laughs> I love those as well. Oh Yeah, I love Hokkien Mee. Oh, prawn Hokkien Mee. Oh my yes, God. Yes, because maybe it's kind of like palabo. Maybe that's why yeah, Filipinos similar. love it so much. Yeah. yeah, I also we also love bakute, right? <laughs> the soup. <laughs> bakute. Yes, yes, that. <laughs> dun, dun. Don't know what, what to do. do. <laughs> and then aside from food, I think electronics are cheap in Singapore as well. And what I miss is the, the IT sales. IT sale in Expo. Oh my God. And and yeah. they do it in like an auction style. Before they, they announce the price, they will describe the product. And of course, these are very professional salesmen. They, they know what they're talking <laughs> about. They're, they're very charismatic. And once they're done describing the product, they will give you freebies. Then they keep on adding, they keep on adding. They, and then they will say that, okay, this is only for a limited number of customers. Like that, yeah. The first 10 people to raise their hands will get the product. It drives a lot of, I don't know, emotion. It props up the demand. And so it's very effective. But if you compare those prices to actually going to a proper shop, you know, the prices get really cheap and you you get a lot of freebies as well. I remember a friend of mine um, Mm. was visiting me in Singapore and then we went to this IT sale. And then there's Mm. this, this I think it was a 46-inch TV. Mm. She was saying that that TV in the Philippines, uh, I can't remember the price, but whatever the price was in the Philippines was like way more than in Singapore. But it also mm-hmm. came with a free like 23-inch flat screen TV. So you get two oh, wow. TVs. Two TVs for a price of one. <laughs> That's amazing. So like she suddenly bought this TV that she had no plan of buying. <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> I remember when I had my first job, uh, there was a Filipina there as well. And she told me that it's more fun to shop in Singapore than in the Philippines because mm. the prices are in single or double digits here. So your brain is fooled into thinking that they're cheap. Mm. <laughs> like, for example, something worth $5 seems like 5 pesos. I think it's just your brain <laughs> tricking you. So you think, oh, that's, that's cheap. That's dangerous. But actually, it's not, right? It's, it's how much is that? It's... 150 <laughs> Yeah, so that's expensive. I didn't really care about brands i didn't own a single piece of branded anything Mm -hmm. but in singapore they're more brand conscious or maybe Ah, i was just around brand conscious people and then you will notice that like a lot of the people in singapore are wearing branded bags like the filipinos like to joke that have you noticed that you know they wear an lv to the palenque (laughs) and then so after a while you kind of get peer pressure to also Mm. buy your own you know branded bag my friend was saying you you should just buy louis vuitton it's like a thousand (laughs) dollars ouch 
like you know, it's a thousand dollars for like a bayong bag, and then like you think, oh my god, my mom would have a heart attack if she found out I spent that much money on something yeah. that could have bought me thirty sekosanas. <laughs> uh, I was talking to my other friends about this, and she said that you know the first time she saw people uh, using long chump bags, and they were saying, mm. oh, you should buy that, and you know how much that costs? It's two hundred dollars, and she was shocked because she said it's a, it's a chaka bag. <laughs> it's like she said it looks like something that you could buy for two hundred pesos in Avon, and not like two hundred dollars. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Ironically, when I was still a student, you know, we were very poor. I was, I was really brand conscious like i would save money just to get the branded t-shirt for example yeah but, the even bench yeah. was super expensive back yeah. then for us right there was a phase in my life where even though it didn't make sense i had to actually save money just to purchase a branded when in fact i can just buy a guitar t-shirt you know <laughs> worth a lot less <laughs> but, no but, no it's, but, it's peer pressure again right because yeah probably you, because you're of one of the cool pressure, guys yeah. or whatever I want to belong. I want to, you mm-hmm. know, I don't want to be left out. So that's so why. So what brand was that shirt that you wanted to buy? Do you remember? You mentioned Bench, Pen Shop and all that. Like mm-hmm. Right now, you're probably laughing. Oh, okay, that's so cheap. But, you know, if you're a student, especially, you know, I had to save a lot of money just to yeah, purchase that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when in fact, I could just easily buy a, a brandless t-shirt. And contrast that to having a decent job in Singapore, I had a complete opposite phenomenon when I don't care about brands anymore. I don't even buy t-shirts in Singapore. I always wait for my occasion to actually go back to the Philippines. Then I go to SM and buy those t-shirts that with cartoons and they cost uh, Yeah, you pesos. have a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of those. <laughs> so and the reason why from. I have a lot of cartoon t-shirts is I always convert. Oh, okay, for every t-shirt I buy in Singapore, I can buy probably five cartoon t-shirts in SM. <laughs> I so, see. I always hold out, like I don't buy anything in Singapore, especially in Tokyo where everything is more expensive. So I don't buy anything here. I wait for the chance. I go back to Philippines. Then I go one time, big time to SM, buy t-shirts and, you know, good enough number of t-shirts until my next trip back to Philippines. Wow. Good for you, actually. That's good, right? You can save money that way. And that's actually Mm. a good mentality to have rather than be peer pressured. Before, when I was still in the Philippines, a friend of mine, he said, you know, I worry if I move abroad, am I still funny? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe your sense of humor wouldn't translate well. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think most Filipinos would, would have that kind of jolly vibe. And, and chances are if he belongs to a multicultural team, then yeah, the Filipino would stand out to be the entertainer of the group. But maybe it's also Filipinos are considered warm as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, even before when we were in the Philippines, right? Like uh, there would be foreigners and they would always say that Filipinos are warm, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't get what the hype was about that time. Like I was thinking like, what's the big deal? Like, okay, so we're friendly. So what? Like there's a lot of friendly people. And mm-hmm. I left the Philippines and then I, I understood that there really is a difference in the warmth of Filipinos. In one of my jobs, I was talking to our banker, mm-hmm. and then she was Filipina, so I was like talking to her, you know, the, the usual Filipino chattiness. Yeah. And when I put down the phone, my colleague told me, I didn't know that you were friends with, and he said a banker's name. I said, no, that's the first time I talked to her. Why do you sound like you're friends? I said, I don't know. It's just a Filipino thing, I guess. One of the advantages of you actually working in an international firm, yeah. there's, there, there's just a lot of opportunity to, to move around, move. yes. Yeah, and if you're staying in a company long enough and your boss recognizes your talent and if it makes sense for your career development to actually move, then an unselfish boss would yes. actually let you go, right? In our common company, right? My batchmates or our common friends, a lot of them eventually ended up leaving Singapore and uh, some of them were through internal transfers through that company. And I think one of the reasons why there's not a lot of Filipinos making use of this mobility sometimes Filipinos are just too shy to actually yes. ask the company actually if you look at it they want to retain talent and so if you don't tell your boss your intention your plan five year plan three year plan whatever it is for as long as you don't tell your boss what it is that you like what is it that you want then there's no way for him to know yeah. <laughs> that you had that aspiration like it reminded me of my experience in Makati wherein my boss actually offered me the possibility of yes. moving to Singapore so had I mentioned to my boss earlier that hey I have the intention of actually moving to another country then I wouldn't have taken the route of actually applying to another yes. company 
it would have been easier. If it's within the same company, you don't need to restart in a way. You already have a good reputation there hmm. and the network. The network is very important in ah, the yes. working world. You shouldn't burn bridges. <laughs> And you That's should right. also make an effort to get to know people and to showcase yourself as much as possible. But no, this is probably a different topic altogether. That's still relevant though, because <laughs> if you're living in Singapore, you're mixed with very different cultures. And most Filipinos who are not taking advantage uh, of that would actually just network with their kababayans. They just go to the same group of people, which I think is a wasted opportunity. Mingle as much as possible with other nationalities, especially if they are people who would eventually influence your career growth. Not, not to be sip-sip or whatever. But yeah, that's a good point, actually. We would always post about what's going on in our lives on Facebook and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then one of my friends asked me, Dee, why are all your friends Filipinos? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> she point, was wondering, question. like, I was in a foreign country and my friends were all Filipinos. You know, I thought about it. It's just a lot easier to befriend someone who, mm. you know, speak the same language. You just get each other. You don't need to explain your inside jokes. Eventually, I realized that, you know, that shouldn't be the case. So, befriending my teammates who were locals. And they were, they're actually really nice as well. And you learn a lot from them. That's the thing. Mm. That's the good thing about living abroad and getting to know the people, the locals abroad, is that you expand your knowledge and your yes. point of view. I was talking to two of my friends who are in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So they were mentioning, you know, so what should we do? Maybe we're, we're kind of, we're almost 40. So I don't know if we're having midlife crisis or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, they were talking about what they're planning to do in the next few years. One of them wants to move to, uh, to study in Europe. The other one is thinking of moving to U.S., that sort of thing. And then I was telling mm. them, but you know what? Because they're they're both like well off. There's nothing wrong with just staying if your life is comfortable there, then just stay. And then they mm -hmm. said, but we've never left the Philippines. They want to experience life abroad. And I told them, you know what? You're right. You should absolutely experience life outside the Philippines, even if you know it's not permanent or even if it's just for a brief time. I mean, mm. what do you think? For you, what, what, how, how did it change your life? It just made me a better person, that's the way I look at it. That's because if you surround yourself with people constantly challenging you. When I was in Singapore struggling, I didn't know anyone. I had to learn. I had to Adapt. constantly be aware with differences, not just with culture, but just the level of knowledge other people have. Having that experience constantly challenged me to be a better person. Read more books, be more aware with social situations, be more current. Those kind of things, I don't think I would have pushed myself if I stayed within my comfort zone in the Philippines. Is leaving your home country, your, your comfort zone to live in a country where you have no friend, you only have $2,000 as pocket money, you have no fallback. You've taken huge leaps to move to another country. Was it worth it, Dee, for you? Taking that risk and moving abroad was definitely worth it. In fact, I would say that it's the best decision that I ever made in my life because I believe it made me become a better person. So mm -hmm. I had to adjust the way that I spoke, I walked, or dressed, or spent, and the, most especially the way I thought to fit into the world because it's such a global mm -hmm. world now. So I became this kind of amalgam, I think is the term, of sorts. Mm -hmm. So this, this person who is mostly Filipino, yet slightly Singaporean, a person who could speak both Tagalog and Singlish and walk as fast as the average Singaporean who are supposed to be the fastest walkers on the planet, by the way. <laughs> and, you know, I wouldn't bat an eye when I have to pay for a $4 pack of mints, but I still mm -hmm. want my adobo to be full-flavored. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like a weird amalgam but trust me when I say that that, that is somehow a better person mm. so yes in answer to your question yes it was definitely worth it mm.